Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. I'm happy to be in a place that came ready to pursue his presence. So you can just feel it in the atmosphere. I'm not saying that there's uh, other moments that don't, this doesn't happen, but this is a moment where it does. Uh, and I just like, I, I feel this way as I was driving, um, just meditating. I like to you know, be meditating about what I'm going to speak on before I speak on it. And I just felt in my heart that this, this message can go one of two ways, and both ways are great. It just depends on how you pull. And I'm not saying how you amen me because some pastors will say that in order for to get you to shout or something like that. But it's just how we pull. It's very different the Jesus that went to Nazareth and the Jesus that, that went to Bethsaida or that went to these other places. Depending on how they pulled from Jesus, it said that he couldn't do major works in his hometown. But yet he, he healed all the sick and all that were oppressed from the devil in other towns. It's, it's how you pull. It's the expectation that you have, not from what I'm going to speak, but from what the Holy Spirit can speak into your life today. See, you get to decide not because he's powerless, but you get to decide because he's a gentleman. And because he will go where you let him go or he will go where you pull him to go in that sense so uh, i just want to throw that out there today's christmas hey, today's christmas time it's officially christmas time sorry not christmas christmas time uh you know now now you can put up christmas trees and it's fine i like what pastor said today don't be putting up a christmas tree before you eat the turkey right it's just that's not biblical i know it's just not uh, uh, anyway but <clears throat> think about this one one of the songs that we like to sing is, is joy to the world right and, and the reason why we like to sing joy to the world is literally because the angels when they came to proclaim what was about to happen they said that the news of jesus coming to this earth would be good tidings of great joy the entrance of jesus into the world is news that brings great joy. When Jesus enters a place, he brings in great joy. When Jesus enters your life, there should be great joy. There's something I wrote down this afternoon is that lack of joy is usually lack of Jesus. The lack of joy is usually a lack of being in his presence. I'm not saying you are less saved because you're sad. I'm just saying maybe you haven't been with him enough recently. My dad would always make me mad because it, when I would have an attitude, you know, when I'd be, get lippy with him and stuff like that, he'd always, well, one, he'd always spank me for sure because he was just that man, and I appreciate that. But uh, two, uh, he'd always tell me, John, you haven't prayed recently. You can just tell. And it'd get me mad. It'd get me mad because he was so right. You know, because he's like, I don't want to get biblical right now. And it's like, well, that's why you don't want to get biblical. You haven't been with Jesus recently. Uh, and it always get me mad because it, how I would act really just showed where I was at. And, and so I want to talk about that today. That actually the whole Christmas story is, well, it doesn't start technically here. But if you go to, with me to Luke chapter 2 verse 7. It says, when Jesus was born, it says, and she brought forth her firstborn son, Jesus wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
Now, this is crazy because back then, around this time, or around whenever you know th this moment was, which we now say it's in December, but those that study say it's like somewhere like in March or April. But anyway, we're not going to get technical about this. Christmas time. Christmas time has always been busy. At this time when Jesus was going to be born, you know, starting Christmas era, it was already busy. And that hasn't changed. Today, in today's day and age, December is one of the busiest months ever. We have lists for everything. You know, shopping lists, Christmas lists, to-do lists, people to call lists, people to text lists, people to avoid lists, you know, coupon lists, like all these different. It's so busy. And yet the premise still remains that if you if it's the busiest time of the year and this one thing remains true, you will have to make room for the miraculous that just like they had to make room for Jesus to be born. They made room because there wasn't actual room in their life. And so they went into a stable and then they made room for Jesus, the savior of the world to enter in. And that same pattern and that same premise is true for today. It's busy. Yes, it is. But if you want the miraculous in this busy season, you're going to have to make room. You, 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 it's not, you, the, the excuse can't be, I'm sorry, there's just no, there's just no room. There, there's just no space. I mean, imagine if they told that to Mary and Mary's like, well, sorry, savior of the world. You can't be born today. He's like, no, no, no I, I, I'm going to be born and I'm going to, I'm going to move where there is room for me. And I believe sometimes, and we're going to go through this and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of scripture uh, behind this, but, but I believe that, that we need to get into the habit of making room. Now, th those that are far more spiritual than I would say that he should be taking all the room. And I get that. He, he should actually be calling the shots in your life. I, I get that. But, but for those that maybe aren't even there, let's start by making room for him. The, coming to church on the 6 p.m. service on a Sunday, avoiding Sunday night football is making room. Well, when you worship in the car, that's making room. When, when, when you are about to fight with your spouse, but then you decide to go into the bathroom and pray a little, that's making room. It, it, I hope after this message, you uh, are retal, you are encouraged to, I'm sorry, that's my Spanish, it just sometimes comes through. You are challenged. To, to make room today. Why? Because Jesus truly will change the outlook of your life and how you look at life as well. Uh, it, it was prophesied when he was coming. And whenever it was prophesied that Jesus was coming in Luke chapter 2 verse 10, says that from the beginning, the mention of Jesus was a reason to rejoice. It says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So the message of Jesus should be a message that brings joy to our life. It's crazy the contradiction that we live in today, that the reason for the season, you know, this era, this moment, December, Christmas, which should be filled with joy. We celebrate Jesus, and yet it has one of the highest moments of stress, of suicide, of all these different things in Christmas. I think it's because we are missing the point. That, that in order to be, to be full, it's not to be full of things, it's to be full of God. Right. In order to be full, filled with joy, we don't have to be filled with the things of this earth, we have to be filled with the God of life. Like in order to have true joy, we need to have Jesus. Like we said 
a few minutes ago, lack of joy could be correlated to a lack of Jesus in our life. At the, even if you keep reading in Luke chapter 2, it says that at the mention of Jesus, the angels started praising and shouting, peace on earth to men of goodwill. Like the, the mention of Jesus, the thought of who Jesus is, the, the, this heaviness of this word makes the heavens rejoice. So why are they, re- why? Why does it bring so much joy? Why, why do people rejoice? Because when we say Jesus, you know, we're, we're good with it. But, but we still have these things on our mind when, when Jesus should actually be transforming our mind. So let, let's keep going. It says it, it, Jesus brought joy to God himself. Jesus was such good news. If you read Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And the voice from heaven said, This is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy and who I am well pleased or who brings me great joy. So Jesus not only makes the angels happy, Jesus is not just good tidings of great joy to all people, but even God gets happy when he sees Jesus. C.S. Lewis is famous for saying joy is the serious business of heaven. That if there's anything serious in heaven is that people are filled with joy. Why? Because the story of who Jesus is, the revelation of who Jesus is, that transformation that happens makes people happy up in heaven. Because there is nothing more powerful that has happened in heaven and on earth and in hell than the death, the burial, and the resurrection of who Jesus is and of what Jesus did. Because of who he is, we now have access. Because of who he is, he literally stamped on the devil. You know, he made a, a public show of him openly, right? He, he nailed our sicknesses to the cross. There is so much that comes from who Jesus is. So when we talk about the reason for the season, that's why there is joy to the world. When we talk about who Jesus is, that's why we get to have joy. When we know that Jesus is with us, that's why we get to have joy because the miracle worker is with us. The guy that went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed in the devil, oppressed by the devil lives inside of you. So now it's not just like, you know, I have a ticket to go to heaven and that's it. No, no, no. This is changing your life forever. There is, I've talked about this before. I think it was at Highland Colony, but there's a fruit in Colombia that's the worst fruit in the world. It's disgusting. It's the it's it's called tomato, but it's from a tree. So they call it uh, tomato from a tree. Like we're very creative in Colombia. Um and it's very cheap, and you can make juice out of it, but it just tastes this. If, if this tomato were a year, it would be 2020. Like, that's like to give you an image. It's just unbearable. No one likes it. You know, you're just happy when it's over. So they did this thing. They, they, they did this thing is that they engrafted, you know, they engrafted blackberries into this fruit. So that now it produces a tomato of a tree, but with, uh, with like a touch of blackberry. So now it's so much better, not because of what the tomato is, but because now it's got that blackberry juice inside of it. Now, the word of God says that we've been engrafted into Christ, that now his life lives inside of us. So it doesn't mean that, you know, you are a better person just because of what you have done or because of what you avoid now or because of your habits. Now, the word of God shows that because of his life running through your veins, you are now a better product. You are now a better person that brings great joy. 
See, I, I, I want to I push this thought is that everything that you ever need in life, you already have found in Jesus. And I know that we need, you know, more money for rent, that we need this, you know, to pay the, the health stuff, the insurance. I understand all that. But start from this reality that everything that you already need is found in him. And so what we need to do is we need to make room just like Mary did in order to bring in the miraculous into this earth. In order to bring in the miraculous into our life, we need to make room. Not only that, but we need to position ourselves well. Because I feel that a lot of us are going through. I had this image come to me the other day. I turned on the shower. You know, I was waiting for it to get hot. I like to walk into this cloud of heat. I don't know if, if you're like me, but I wait till it's scalding hot. Like, I wait till there's, like, a little fire starting, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's me. I'm ready, right? Like, where, where I, to, to me, when all the windows are, are, how do you say that, when all the windows are, are foggy and everything, you guys, okay, you guys know, uh, that's when I go in. I, so I'm turning it on, and I'm waiting, and I'm stuff, and I just have this thought. And I'm like, wouldn't it be funny to get mad that I'm not being able to take a shower because the water is not falling on me? Now, this is a weird thought. This is one of those, like, shower thoughts, but outside of the shower thoughts. Uh, like, have you ever? So I heard this shower thought. Let's, let's pause that real quick. Shower thought. Well, uh, this person told me the other day, have you thought that you really never stop clapping? It's just that the time between one clap to the next just is longer sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my goodness. Anyway, back to the shower. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, the water is falling. And I'm not getting wet. I could get mad or I could just position myself and, and start to get wet. I feel like a lot of Christians have this in their life that God is moving, that God is working, that God is doing. But because we're not in position, we get mad and we're like, well, why isn't it falling? And so, well, you got to get into position because it says like away from God, separated from Jesus, you can do nothing. But it says, but if you abide in him and his words abide in you. And in John chapter 11, it says it over 11 times. If you abide in him and his words abide in you. And if you abide in him and he abides in you. And if you like abide, 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 abide. And then he says, why? These things I have spoken to you that my joy, Jesus, the joy that Jesus has might remain in you that your joy may be full. So joy doesn't come from accomplishing things. Joy comes from positioning yourself well. Positioning is everything. A great athlete is a great athlete because he knows how to position himself. You can be the greatest runner in the world, but if you don't know how to do the cut, if you don't know how to run the route and position yourself where you need to be, you, you, you don't work for the team. I believe a lot of our frustration is because we're out of sync and out of position. Make room. Today, don't wait. I think this is a perfect time of the year to start telling people, don't wait till the 1st of January. Because this is where we start, you know, making concessions with our mind. And we're like, I mean, we're three weeks away. You might as well, you know, start fresh. Why? It's just a day. It's a random day. We decided a long time ago to decide to be better. Why not make today the day to make room? 
Why not make today the day to enter in? Why not make today today to position ourselves again? Listen, if Jesus can bring joy to God, certainly there is something he can do with our lack of joy today. Jesus himself affirms that he came so that our joy would be full. I have told you these things that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, so your joy will overflow. John 15, 11. Listen, God will move if there's room. So let's, let's, let's go to this story. This is a pretty long story. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 to 37. So that's a lot of verses. 29 verses if you do the math. Uh, but it, it talks about this lady who, who made an observation and made a change in her life that truly brought change for the rest of her life. It says, now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. Well, I think it's crazy just in, just in this verse. It says that the man of God, who at this point represents the anointing of God, represents the presence of God, uh, and he's passing by every day. But not every household is being touched or blessed. I believe this is, this is the same reality in our life. God is moving every day. You know, God just doesn't move on Sundays or on the long weekends or on the special occasions. God is moving every day. But the reason why he's not touching our life every day is because we're not opening up the door for him to come in every day. So this lady saw something. It's like, this man is passing by every day. So he persuaded him. He was like, if you're going to pass by, why not stop in my life? Listen, why not say that to God today? God, God, if you're going to do anything today, why not stop in my life today? I will make room. Verse 9, as she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Verse 10 says, please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came and one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and laid down there. Look, look at this. It, it became a habit to him. Because now it just wasn't like an unexpected thing. Like, oh my gosh, you're praying today? Let me enter in. Now, now it, it became something habitual in his life. This is something that I, I've learned. Now, I've talked about this. You, my dad's one of the most like, spiritual people I know because I've lived with him. So it's not because he is the most spiritual person in the world. But it's the, the person I'm closest with that has like this level of spirituality. Anyway, my point is there are some miracles that he tells me in his life that I could you know, answer one of two ways. I could be like, oh, that's because you're the pastor. And that's because, oh, of course, that's because you're the missionary that decided to leave it. Of course, you're just so much holier than, uh, than, than the rest of us. Or I could respond to be like, well, it's obvious because you pray all the time. And, and I, I, sometimes we have that reaction that, you know, pastor might say something, this guest, a special guest speaker might tell, tell about a testimony, and everyone's like, well, of course, because you got the microphone. Of course, it, can it be that they make time? And could it just be that, you know, people that have a testimony is because they actually made room and made it a habit? It, it, my dad, I, 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 there's a, I'm trying to decide which one of the stories, but I'll, I'll give you two. Uh, one of them was uh, he, he likes to pray all the time. And so in January, uh, he usually takes time to pray three hours in the morning and three hours in the afternoon. 
Uh, and he opens it up to everyone, and he knows that not everyone can take that, make that time. But he can, so he does. But he, he makes the staff do it because they get to do it. So I was part of the staff back then, and I was super mad uh, because six hours, are you kidding me? Like, I told him, like, listen, God's going to get tired of us. Like, it's just way too much. Like, six hours a day, three in the morning, three at night. But please don't make me do this. And my dad was just like, just watch. Just watch what happens. I'm like, watch what? Like, this is the worst. And so anyway, so we start praying like week one, week two. Around that time, uh, the government had it called us as a church. And they told us that we had to redo a street because of the what well, we had done a couple of repairs and our building is pretty tall. And so it started like breaking the street. It, Bogota uh, streets are weird and they break all the time. So it's, it's a thing that happens. Uh, and, and so we're, I was going to cost like millions of dollars to repair the whole thing. Uh, and we didn't have the millions of dollars and we were praying and I'm like, you know, I mean, six hours a day and God is not like listening. Uh, and so what do we do? And my dad's just praying, just praying, just praying. And then one day I just see him come super happy. And he's like, guess what? I was like, what? It's like, God did it. Like, he did what? And he's like, God did it. I was like, okay, be more specific. Uh, and he's like, well, remember the problem that we had where the government was forcing us to pay millions of dollars worth of stuff? Yeah. He's like, well, the sewage company just came and they said that one of their pipes had broken and that they had to repair it. And so they're actually, you know, asking for our forgiveness because they're going to have to break the whole street. But they said that they will repair it because of the pipe that was broken. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh, it's working. <laughs> I never doubted. I never doubted whatsoever. I love to pray. But this is one of these things. And, and now if you, if you just hear the testimony without hearing the rest of the message, you might think if I pray six hours, then this is going to happen. And that's not the case. It's just if you make room and make it a habit in your life, then what is supernatural can become natural to your life. And this is something I press every time. Let the supernatural be, be amazing to your life, but it can't be surprising because why would it surprise you that the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth who lived inside of you wouldn't do something that is supernatural it's something that becomes habitual in our life if we make room and this lady knew in verse 13 says and he said to him say now to her look you have been concerned for us with all this care what can i do for you do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. Basically, she was saying, listen, I got enough. I don't, I don't need any more. So he said, what is it then to be done for her? And Giesi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. This is, this is pretty cool uh, because uh, you, you see a lady that has everything in life. And the one thing that she can't achieve, she basically just made amends in her heart with. Where she's like, I, I have a lot. I would love a son. But I don't. And so she, another translation says, please don't promise me something you can't keep. It's like, listen, I, she didn't want to get her hopes up. And what I like about this is that she didn't ask for it. And Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. What does that mean? That, that God is able to do much more than you can ask. 
God is able to do much more than you can think. We sometimes think that what we are living is just based on what we have prayed for. And I thank God that is not a reality because we haven't prayed for all the blessings that have happened in our life. And yet we continue to be blessed because it's not because of what you pray. It's because of what he performs in your life. It's why we give him praise because there is much more to praise than what we have prayed for. So she, she's like, no, 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 I haven't even asked for it, but please don't, don't get my hopes up. And I know what that fear is. We lost the baby two years ago, and it was heartbreaking, and we cried. It's still one of those moments where I can't believe we went through it. I've talked about it before. And when people were asking us, you know, when's the next, so when are you going to try again? It literally gripped our heart. We're like, we don't, I don't even know if we want to try it because we were scared of going through that again. But like this lady, she just made room for the miraculous to happen. Like Mary, she made room for the miraculous to happen. And even things that weren't asked for were performed on their behalf. See, it's much more than what you pray in moments when you praise and when you worship. It's much more than what you ask for when you're in the presence of God. It's the fact that you are in the presence of God. It's the fact that God is with you that makes the impossible possible again. Even things you are scared to ask for, he can still do, which is why it sparks praise in us, which is why we have a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, because there are some things that we can't even explain, but we're happy he's on our side. 17, but the woman conceived. So a year later, just like the man that God said, but the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her and the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And if you know the rest of the story, it says he got, he had like this headache. He eventually dies. So this woman knew one thing. He was like, the, you know, the, the person that brought it to me, you know, can bring, bring him back to life. I, I like the change of her mentality. That having spent time in the presence of God, having spent time with the anointing in her house, she at the beginning didn't want to believe for something that seemed impossible. But spending enough time with God will, will change your faith to the point where now you expect the impossible. And then you pursue the impossible. And I want us to take that next step to not not where we're scared of asking for things or speaking about things, but to the point where, no, I, I know a God that can create the heavens and the earth in six days. He can surely turn this around. So if you know the story, she, she goes to the man of God again. And he's like, hey. And actually, he asked her, hey, how's everyone doing? And she says, everyone is fine. But I need you to come back to my house again. Because I need you to perform what no one else can perform. And for that, there's a room for you. See, what can God do for your life? Or what could God accomplish in your life if you made room for him? Not only today, but if you made room that became habitual for him to visit. See, I've heard pastors say this before, but make a space. Make a space even in your time and in your schedule where God knows that this is your time. You know, how would you act if you were going on a date and you really never knew if it was going to happen or not? You know, it's like every Friday night is date night, maybe. Like, how does that look? Like, it's like, wait, is it or is it not? Like, I, I want to know because I don't want to be stood up if I go and you're not there. And sometimes we're like that. Sometimes like so Sundays is our day. 
Except for football, or Sundays is our day, except for vacation, or Sundays is our, like, no, 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 if this is real, if this is, if this is something important, we make, the, we make the room, we make this space. For Mary, it was important to give birth to the Savior of the earth. So when there was no room at all, she still made room. I've come to learn something, that there are things, like, if, if it's important enough, it'll fit in my, it'll fit in my life. That's it. And I heard, and someone, I don't know if you are here today, but uh, come after the service, but it told me something that Leonard Ravenhill would say. It's a big revivalist. And he said the, the reason why we don't have revival in today's day and age is because we've grown used to living without it. And it's something that has just been on my mind as like, how, how can we live without the supernatural? Like we, we get to have comfortable lives, but we were not called for comfortable. We were called to change this world. Like we were not called just to be comfortable in this world. We were called to be those that turn the world upside down. Like we were not called just to, just to achieve what the world can achieve. We were called to bring heaven down to earth, to accomplish his will on this earth earth so we can't be living that same way so like this woman and if you know the rest of the story the guy came and kind of did like some spiritual cpr blew into his mouth and then the, the kid you no know, got brought back to life because i believe that the the miracle working power of god can do that and it's why we need it in our life so let's make room tonight but let's also make room in our life. As in positioning matters. If, if I'm pouring coffee, but I haven't positioned a cup where it should be, all it is, it's going to be a mess. I believe the messes in our life are because of lack of positioning. Uh, if, if I start putting shampoo outside of the shower, like it, it can be bad. Why? Lack of positioning. Listen, you can be doing the right thing in the wrong place and it's still a wrong thing. Like you need to be making room in your life and then you have to be doing what you're supposed to be doing in that moment that you said you would be doing. We're talking with the deep sheep tonight. The, the rest are probably tuning into ESPN right now and that's fine. We're not judging. But if you came here, let, 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 it, let me go deep with you because it's not just what God can do for you. It's the room that we can make so it becomes something consistent and constant. I've been challenged for so long that why is it weird for people when someone says, oh, the Lord spoke to me the other day. Doesn't he live inside of, aren't you the temple of the Holy Spirit? If there's anyone that is close to you is the one that lives inside of you. Like, it challenges me because people are like, oh my gosh, you pray. You don't? Why not? And I'm not saying, you know, I'm better, you're better because of this. No, I'm saying we're called to this. Like this is the calling of our life. It's not just, it's not just to be, you know, the next star, the next influencer. It's to be influenced by him. That we can listen to his voice. That we know his voice. Hey, have I told you about the Moken tribe? The, the Moken tribe is this tribe in Thailand. Famous for being like this aquatic... Uh, how do you call those tribes that move around all the time? Um, nomadic. Aquatic nomadic tribes. Uh, I knew it rhymed. Uh, uh, 
And so it's, it's strange because even the kids of the Moken, they sometimes learn to swim before they learn to walk because they live on these boats outside of Thailand in the ocean. It's incredible. And this guy was going to document them. I think it was 2011 when the tsunami hit. I think it was around there. Whenever the big tsunami hit in Thailand, and he was there documenting the Moken. And then the day the tsunami hit, hours before it, was, you know, it came to shore, he was documenting the Moken, and then all of a sudden the Moken started to cry. And then they just started to cry, and then they started to put their boats on the beach, and they started to run towards the mountain. Hours before. And said the tsunami hit and it, he, it clicked. He's like, they knew. The reason they knew is because they lived in it. They could perceive things that no one else could perceive that the ocean was doing. Changes in the tide, changes in the, in the waves, changes in how the fishes were acting because they lived in it. I believe that if we live and abide in him, we move in him, we live in him, we have our being. If that truly is the case, the Holy Spirit can tell us of things hours, days before anyone else can. To where we're not shocked when things happen because we're prepared because the Holy Spirit told us. And we're scared because we we're scared because we might say, oh, yeah, we knew the Holy Spirit told me. And listen, I prefer to be called the flake, but be in safety. Be a safe flake all day. Then go through what the rest go, but be normal. So I prefer to be a blessed flake. I prefer to be a prospering flake. I prefer to be a flake that knows the word of the spirit and knows the leading of the spirit. I prefer to be that weird person, but be led by him. Because not only do we know him, but we are meant to be led by him. But how are you going to be led by someone you don't spend time with? How are you going to testify about someone you don't really know? How, how are you going to be led by someone that you only visit occasionally? Make room today. Let's, let's abide in him because without him, we can do nothing. So you can do the right thing in the wrong place and it is still the wrong thing. So there are two things that we can do today to start making room. Number one, we can position our heart. That no matter what, you will stay connected to him. That no matter what, you will be positioned to him. I was talking to the pastor on Friday. Uh, we, we were having dinner and everything. So, some stuff that he was learning at this conference that he was doing online. And it was pretty cool. But he said the true change comes when things that you should do become a must. That's not, not just something that you should do. Now it's just I must do. And when you make that change, then that's when change starts to happen. It was funny because all this week I've been, I've been fighting with how much I weigh right now. This is as, like, I, I am at my biggest, like, three days ago because I'm losing weight in the name of Jesus. Uh, yeah, you are, receive it. Uh, but my, my point is, is I, I, you know, I've, been, I've been debating with it, and I know what I have to do. I know what I should do. I should stop eating Chick-fil-A. Like, uh, that's what I, I know that's what I should do. Uh, and if I do order Chick-fil-A, I should order less because I usually order two things. I should, I should just order one. So as he's telling me this, it's like, you know, when your should becomes a must, that's when you should change. And I'm eating my second sandwich, which I shouldn't have ordered. And I'm laughing because I, with it in my mouth, obviously, I finished it. Uh, <laughs> Because I told him, I was like, you know what? This should be a must. Like, I must stop ordering this. But until it becomes a must in your life, 
there really won't be change. And you'll go through the same cycle over and over again where you start out well. And then when you've got this bad day, you're like, oh, I deserve a number two. And then you go back and then you come all over again and you feel bad. And so then you should change and then you want to change. And then, but it doesn't be, you don't take that extra step where it's you must. There is nothing else that's going to stop me today. I don't care. They say in China that the road of a thousand miles starts with the first step. You got to take it today. You got to make room today. How you work, change how you worship today. You've been worshiping in a certain way, but now from uh, now on, I must change the way I pursue God. I must change how I pursue his presence. I, it's not just I should, now I must, because this is the difference maker in life. Philippians 4.4, 4, talk about positioning your heart. Paul is speaking, he says, always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And we've heard about this, uh, this verse before. You know, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And what's crazy about Paul is Paul shows us what a man that makes room can they, is able to do. Because why? When he's talking about rejoicing, he's actually talking about it in jail. He's going through one of the worst moments of his life. But he's like, listen, I mean, I'm going through bad stuff and everything, but I will still rejoice because they've taken away my freedom, but they haven't taken away my Savior. And because they've taken away everything else, but I can still rejoice. I can still enter in. And you know the rest of the story is that he got out at the midnight hour. We know that story. And he started worshiping. And then, you know, there was a suddenly that came. And, you know, people just preach about that. And it's amazing. But one thing that he did is he had a constant room. He had a constant habit. No matter where he was, on the boat, there's a story when he was on the boat and everyone, they had 14 days without eating. And he was praying on the boat. They were in jail and he was praying in jail. It goes to show you that prayer is something that you can do at any situation. That will change the outlook of your heart when you position your heart that no matter what's going to happen, I'm going to pray. It's been two years now, over two years, where we were going to do missions and we couldn't and everything. And I ended up working at a warehouse. And there's nothing wrong with working at a warehouse. It's just very frustrating having to work at a warehouse where there's no air conditioning when you're called to missions. And so this just shows this was the struggle at the moment. And I remember the Holy Spirit told me, I'm not quarantined. So what are you going to do about it? So I started to pray. I started to pray. And the first thing that changed in my life was my attitude. The job still was the same. The outlook was the same. We still had to wear masks. It it was 100-degree weather because it was Dallas, Texas, but in the back of a warehouse, you know, pulling boxes from trucks. It was the worst. But I started to enter into his presence, and my attitude changed. I would go back, and, and for the first few weeks, I would go back home, and I'd cry to my wife. And I, I think the image that my wife had of me was very weird back then. Because he's like, what, what are they doing to you? I'm like, it's just my fingers hurt. Like, it's just, like I don't want to go there anymore. But if I don't go, we're going to die. You know, like, I started to pray 10, hour, 10 hours with the master. You couldn't talk with anyone else. And I'd love to say, and then the Holy Spirit fell on that place, and then a fresh wind blew in through the place, and, you know, and it just changed. And that didn't change, but I started to notice that everything that God does change, he changes from within. And, and, and my whole life changed, and we actually ended up here in Jackson, Mississippi, but it all started with the heart change. 
Because that's where you start to make room is when you position yourself. And the second thing you position is you position your eyes. Position your eyes and focus your eyes as the word of God says that you got to look up into the heavenlies, right? You, you got to put your affections on the things above. You got to place your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your, you got to put your eyes on the things above on what is eternal. If you are fixated on the things of this earth, then you become an easy target for the devil. Because if all the devil has to do to take away your joy is for someone to step on your new shoes, listen, that's an easy target. He doesn't even have to do anything else. If all he has to do is put a door there, and then that's it, your day is ruined. But when your eyes are placed on the things above, I'm not saying, please don't come and step on me, because hey, I'm still working on that. Hey, I'm just kidding. But I've come to learn that, that, that these are the things that we need to do in order to position ourselves. Why? Because if we're, our eyes aren't placed on Jesus, then it's hard to make room for him. If our eyes aren't placed on Jesus and on the things above, then we really can't perceive why it's important to pray. Because we're looking for these things and we're trying to achieve these things. And in December, we're trying to achieve this list of, you know, buying things and buying things that we think will make us happy. When what will truly make you happy is the joy of the Lord. That will give you strength. That will make you strong in adversity. It's the joy of the Lord found in his presence. It's not what you find under the tree. And I'm not saying you'll fill that tree. Be blessed. That's awesome. But that's not where true joy comes from. So fixate, you know, and position your heart and then position your eyes. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 2, and I'll finish with this. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 2. And then verses 17 to 21 says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. See, Jesus was trying to course correct them. And they're like, it's cool that you have testimonies. It's cool that you have answers to prayer. It's cool, but, but rejo don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in the position your eyes on this, that you get access to the throne, that your names are written in heaven. Because if you can truly find joy in this, that seems simple, it's so complex, but it seems so simple that you are going to heaven then you become a harder target for the enemy. Because then he can take away so many things, but because he can't take away your salvation, you, you can live in joy no matter what. It's why you find, and Pastor was talking about it this morning, it's why you can go to other countries where they, they have the worst conditions ever, and yet the enemy hasn't been able to steal their joy. Why? Because their joy is placed on their salvation, not on things. Because their joy is placed in God, not in what the world can do or what can be accomplished. That's where true joy comes from. And uh, we, we've been talking with my wife recently because we're like in this stage where we haven't had a place of our own yet. Because we keep on moving because there's more missions to do. And uh, our baby tomorrow will be on her 20th flight and she is nine months old. Uh, and, and so constantly moving and it's cool and we're so thankful but the one thing that we don't get is a, a stable place to live in so 
a few days ago, there's some frustration that was trying to enter into our household, uh, our mobile household, if you will, because, it, you know, we kind of want that stability sometimes. Uh, but then we started just talking about it and started to like edify ourselves in things that we have seen. And we realized that for us, like if we were to have more things, there'd be more targets for the enemy to attack. And we need to be mobile and limber right now. And I'm not saying this is a call for everyone. I'm just trying to share what is in our heart. But we realized that there was blessing in this. That there was a blessing in being able to be limber and being able to be more mobile in this day and age where it doesn't matter. Where we, we've, you know, so someone came, broke into the house and, and stole my wife's computer and it bothered us. And, you know, there was pictures of our baby in there. But what we notice is it really didn't break us. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And our eyes are placed on the things above. And I'm not saying, you know, you can go and kick my car and I won't, and I won't care. But at the same time, I, sh- I really shouldn't care that much. Because I rejoice in what Jesus says to rejoice. I rejoice that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That I have access to the heavenlies. That he lives inside of me. And that reality, the devil can never touch. And what that means is that even what the devil can destroy, Jesus can bring back to life. That whatever the devil tries to steal, Jesus can either bring back to your life or can recreate or can bring anew. Which is why Psalms 126 is a Psalms that I, I, I meditate on constantly because it says that when God turned the captivity of Zion, they were like those that dream. And then it says that the first thing that happens when God was available, his presence was made available. And when he was there was that their mouth, verse two says their mouths were filled with joy. Their mouths were filled with laughter they, because they could dream again. Because their presence of God was with them. And then it says after that, and then the nations would see them and say, truly, your God has done great things. And then it keeps going. It says, and that those that have, and I'm butchering a couple of verses, I know. But it says in verse 5 or verse 6, it says, because those that have sown in tears will reap with rejoicing. See, see, see joy, let's go first full circle. When the angels came, they're like, hey, Jesus is coming, and this is going to bring good joy. And then the day we live in today, no matter what you've bring, been through, if you have Jesus, you will reap joy again. No matter what, how many tears you have sown. Jo- joy is the result. Joy is the outcome. Joy is what happens when Jesus is made alive in your life. That you can be happy today. Because of who Jesus is. That you get to be joyful again today with a joyful expectation in life. Because you don't know what might happen, but you know who is writing, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. And he writes happy endings. Because in him there is a joy unspeakable and full of glory that he has given to you. That if you abide in him and he abides in you, your joy will be full. So it's not something you obtain is a person you know. It's not something you ask for. It's who you're talking with. That when you realize who Jesus is, then the joy unspeakable and full of glory becomes real in your life. Or you get to smile again. I heard a guy say, well, you got to remind your teeth that, you know, they're not quarantined anymore. 
that you get to smile again. You know, teeth might be socially distanced, but, yeah, that's what I, I didn't say that. Someone else said that. But it's, it's time to be joyful again. It, it's time to rejoice again. Rejoice in the Lord. But who do you rejoice in? In the Lord. What is there to rejoice at or for? Well, rejoice in your salvation. Rejoice in the fact that Jesus lives inside of you. Rejoice in the fact that, you know, you might have been through stuff, but God is still in your boat, and a boat that Jesus is in will never sink. And if it, for some reason it starts to leak, he knows how to walk on water. But my point is, is that there is nothing that the devil can bring in your life that Jesus cannot turn it around for your good. So the fact that we rejoice is because Jesus is with me. So I give him glory and I give him thanks. So I make room like the Shunammite woman did. I make room in life to where it's something that is constant. Reinhard Bonnke was in an interview. And if you don't know who Reinhard Bonnke is, he went, he went to be with the Lord a couple of years ago. But in his life, he saw more than 71 million people receive Christ. He had services so big. I think his biggest service was like five, six million people in one setting. Like it was, YouTube it. Like I, I love to YouTube these videos because they're just so inspiring what a man of God can do. And so they're interviewing him and they're asking him and they're like, after seeing the massive multitudes, they ask him, wow, surely you are receiving your reward for your faithfulness. And Reinhard Bonnke turns to them and says, actually, the real reward for following God is God himself. It's not what we can see. It's not what we can post. It's not what we get to enjoy. It's him. He is the reward for our life. And in him we move. In him we have our being. In him we rejoice because we have him. Not anything that he can do. Him. So look to him today. Pursue his presence today. During this Christmas time, make room. If it's important enough, you will make room. What is the result of seeking him? You find joy in his presence. Psalm 16, 11, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You find joy when you pursue his presence. When you make room, joy becomes something normal in your life. Sometimes people, you know, tell me like, wow, you're like, you're like a walking Red Bull. You're like, you're so happy. And I like that. I'm like, thank you, because I love Red Bull. But I, I'm not excited just because I, I have carved out in my life a moment to be filled with him. And there's so much I have to learn. Oh, my gosh. And there's so much I have to grow in. But the reason I'm happy most of the time is because I know a God to be faithful. And I have seen him to be faithful in the land of the living. And I have seen his miracle working power be real, not only in my life, but in other people's life. And when I see him work in other people's lives, I get inspired because I know that if he can do it for them, he can do it for me. So it's just more joy that is being filled as I spend time with him. It's not because he can make me famous. It's not because he can make me big. No, I, I want him to be big in my life because I have found the true joy is found in him. Him. so i pursue his presence and then the next result of pursuing his presence and making room is you start to hope again 
Proverbs 10, 28 says, the hopes of the godly result in happiness. And when, when you have joy and when you are pursuing, it says if you have a righteous cause, the hope of the righteous will be gladness. There is gladness because there is hope again in your life that you get to hope again. You, get to, you, you don't have to wait till January. You get to hope right now. You, you, you get your hopes up in a sense. Because not of what you've asked for, not because of what you need in life, but because you know that whatever Jesus wants to do in your life is going to be good. It's going to be pleasing. It's going to be perfect. So you just get to be happy again when you spend time with him. But the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. Listen, Jesus produces a joy that the world cannot take away. Jesus positions you to receive what the world cannot give you. And Jesus places you in a plan that the world cannot stop. Jesus produces a joy that the world cannot take away. Jesus positions you to receive what the world cannot give you. And Jesus places you in a plan that the world cannot stop. So church, rejoice in him always. Let's rejoice in him tonight. Let's rejoice in him for who he is in our life. For what he has already done in our life. Place your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity that you've given us tonight to come and worship you, to come and hear from your word, Father. We ask that your Holy Spirit be made alive in our life tonight, that, that we might be able to hear his voice tonight, Father. And above all things, that the eyes of our understanding might be open, might be flooded with light, that we might see, Father, that there is enough to rejoice because of who you are, that we get to rejoice because of what you've done and who you are and that you live inside of us, Father. So, Father, show us what we have to position ourselves. Show us what we have to tweak in life. Show us, Father, what we have to move in our life, that we might abide in you and that you might abide in us, that our joy might be full, Father. So tonight, we make room. So tonight, we make room in our heart. So tonight, we make room in our life, Father, that you can move. Move in our life, Father, not just tonight, but from now on, we make room. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand up. We're going to finish real quick, but it would be very weird to talk about making room and then not make room in service. So it's 730, so we still got a little bit of time. You're okay. But I want us to make room. I want us to make room tonight. I, I, I want you to worship like you've never worshipped before. And when people say that, you're like, oh, now I have to raise both hands and jump. And I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying it starts with the heart. But, but go all in. Why not go all You're already here. Why not go all in? You, 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 God's already here. Why not go all in? I, I question that sometimes. If... if if he would accomplish everything you know he can accomplish, how would you worship him tonight? Because that truly is what is promised. That everything that he has planned for your life, it's, it's a given. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to strive for it. It's not by power, not by might. It's by his spirit. So we don't worship to try to force his arm to do something. We worship him and we thank him because we get to flow with what he's already doing. And what he's doing, his plans and purposes for our life, 
at Romans 12, they're good, they're pleasing, they're perfect. So even if it's not what you've asked for, it's probably better. My, my, my wife, she didn't want to, you can ask her this, she didn't want to get married with me because she was scared of the life of a minister and a missionary. Because I've said this before, like missionaries, usually they worship like this, and we want to worship like this, right? So, so it's like I told her, I'm going to be doing missions, and she's like, oh, well, I don't want to be poor. Uh, so there was like this struggle for, for a while. Uh, and, and it's fine. I, I don't judge her because I understand. I was like, listen, I, this is my money. Like it was, we were poor. Like it, and so, so she was marrying into that. <laughs> and... And like a couple of years ago, we were in the car. We were worshiping God because of miracles that had been happening. And she said out loud, she's like, Father, you know, you were right. You know, I didn't even, I didn't even know you could bless missionaries this way. I'm so, but, but I thank you because you are. It, it just it wasn't something she asked for. It was actually something she wanted to avoid. And all of a sudden, she's in a place doing something she never thought she would be doing, and she's happy, she's pleased, because it's perfect. And it's because God has promised it this way. So instead of praying and worshiping right now with something in our head, like, I thank you because my Ferrari is coming, right? And sometimes we do that. You know, I thank you because my promotion is coming, and, and you know, it could be. But I, let, me, let me put this point, you know, just up for debate. What if we worship him because we can be happy even without the promotion? What if we worship him because our joy will be full even without that thing that we are expecting? And I'm not saying God doesn't have more, but what if what we're asking for is not even half of what God has planned for you? So I think we limit sometimes God because of what we're asking instead of just basking in his presence. So let's just take this time to worship him for who he is. Worship him for what he has done in our life. Worship him for, for the, the, the person that he is, for giving his life, for giving us access, for letting us be in his presence. And let him take care of the details. And trust me, they are far better. It's far better when he gets to take care of them. All right, I'm going to shut up now. You ready? Let's do it.